We're jumping into this new series today called Experience Joy. Last week, officially, the Advent, ser- the Advent season began. In the, if you would follow the church calendar throughout the year, um, this season is called Advent. And some of the themes of Advent are hope, um, peace, joy, and love. And Advent is a season of expectation and anticipation. In fact, officially in this calendar, Christmas is only celebrated starting at Christmas for about 12 days. There's 12 days of Christmas. But Advent is really leading up to that with anticipation and expectation of what Christmas is and what, uh, what it meant for uh, the world and Israel to wait uh, for Jesus. And so we're, we're not doing every theme of Advent, but we're going to just focus on one theme, and that's uh, the theme of joy. I'm going to do my best. I've, I kind of challenged myself today to mix in Advent, joy, and I really wanted to kind of use an Old Testament text. And so, uh, if if I if I if I fail on the the teaching side today, I've just I've upped the challenge for myself. So we'll see if we can mix all these things uh, together. I'm just setting myself up for failure, so then it'll be okay uh, on that end. But talking about anticipation, uh, several years ago, we were just looking at some old photos uh, from my family, and these days, old photos means uh, put the slideshow on the screen and look at your computer screen. But um, we were looking at that, and I was seeing some of my uh, seeing our kids and ourselves as well. We did this trip. A while back, uh, we took a road trip down to Florida and spent a, one day in Washington, and our kids were, were a lot smaller than they are now, and it was awesome to see this. It was reminding me of that trip because we never drove down to Florida together as a family. Um, you know, we were all driving in, in, this, in, this, uh, you know, in our car, and, and we've never done that long of a trip with our kids. But because that later that week... We were going to land on Julia's birthday, and we were going to hit Disney World. And so it was Julia's birthday. The plus for us is that birthday kids got in free that day, so that was a plus. Um, But anyway, and Andrews was like the day before, and he didn't get in, but, you know, we tried. But anyways, uh, nonetheless, we, you know, Disney was part of this trip to, you know, this one day at Disney. And, uh, and I'm telling you that as much as Disney was fun and as much as Disney was awesome, there was this expectation within our kids uh, of like leading up to that, like even before the trip. And then even if the trip was tough and you're driving hours and you're, you know, sleeping overnight and you're tired and you're hungry or you're antsy or whatever, there was this sense of anticipation that was happening just as we were leading up. It, like the event didn't even happen. But there was joy leading up to it. And today what I want to talk about is, is the joy of anticipation. We're kicking off this series called Experience Joy. But when we think about joy, I mean, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about joy? Ice cream? Somebody say something. iPhone. Huh? Peace in the heart. Cool. Family. Vacation, yeah, cool. So I'll just when, when, when joy comes to our mind, something else often comes to our mind as a comparison. Maybe we think of a reward, a gift, an accomplishment, a vacation, family, peace. Joy can come when you receive something, but you can also experience joy when you're waiting for something, when you're expecting something. And the kind of joy we want to explore today as we kick off this short three-week series is the kind of joy that comes with anticipation. So there's joy scattered all over the Bible, but it... It's not all related to an immediate reward or an immediate result 
or an immediate experience. In fact, even in the middle of pain, journey in the wilderness, themes like exile, even in oppression, we see themes of joy scattered in the Bible. Joy pops up in some of the most unexpected places in the Bible. And they mainly found hope that would continue this drive that Israel had initially in the Old Testament and the church had even in the New Testament. And it wasn't always a joy. In fact, it wasn't a joy that was found in utopia or something perfect. But in the middle of ordinary life, sometimes joy, even in the middle of painful life. We have high school students with us today, and I know that they're going to head out soon to practice for next week's drama. But I mean, I could have, or they've already left. Okay, so I was going to say, like, their painful, you know, exam life. Can they find joy? But whatever. Okay, scrap that joke. That's gone. Uh, let's kind of move forward. So it's not enough to experience joy just when you get something or you're satisfied. If joy is real, it must be available even when you're unsatisfied. And that's not always easy to discern or figure out. We're going to jump into an Old Testament prophet's words. It's the, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And he was God's mouthpiece to Israel during a time when, when many people of Israel were scattered in different parts of, uh, of the world, were you know, close enough to travel to, but they were not home. Many were in exile. Many were scattered away. In fact, they were living out part of God's judgment towards them. And uh, part of uh, being disciplined, in fact, for their sin and their unfaithfulness to God. And so people were separated from their place, were separated from their people. They were naturally unsatisfied to a certain degree where they were. And here's Isaiah speaking to them during this time. And we're going to read Isaiah chapter 35. And here's this one passage in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah that's mainly about judgment. Here's this one passage that really is filled with hope and filled with joy. In fact, if you would read chapter 34, it would be a little bit depressing. It'd be a little bit uh, feel very uh, much like a downer because it was about judgment and it was about the sin that Israel committed. It was about the discipline that God was actually working in them and them feeling their separation from God in their home. But then here, chapter 35, kind of jumps in with this sense of promise that there's this way back to God, that God is coming for them, that God loves them. So I want to read chapter 35 as we start the series together. So we'll just start from verse, verse 1. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, which is a flower, like it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. 
The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. And they will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee. Let's pray for a moment. God, uh, we pause and invite you to just open up this ancient text to us. Um, Help us to grab a hold, even just parts of it, to get a glimpse of your heart, your character, and how you long for us to anticipate your work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, you know, just we're going to do this simple. We're going to just kind of walk through this and, and see this pattern that, that's laid out in Isaiah 35. And it's, it's kind of these four words. It's promise, and then it's uh, present, and then I'm reading. Okay, there we go. And then it's past, and then we come back to promise. And so as we would walk through this, this is, this is the pattern that you see in Isaiah's words here. And it starts with promise. This whole chapter is about promise. In fact, verses 1 to 2 and verses 5 to 7, the word in the future tense, will, pops up all the time. Then this will happen. The parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom the, and bloom and shout for joy. Eyes of the blind will be opened. Ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Lame, the lame will weep and mute tongues will shout for joy. So there's this, there's this future anticipation of, of a future promise that God's going to do something. And so promise is oozing out of this message. And the result is overwhelming joy, even in the middle of their feeling separated from their people and their place. And it's all about anticipation. It's all about something is going to happen. And you can see the language. Right? It's like winter turning to spring. Now, man, it sucks because we're in December and that's nowhere near right now, right? But there is this sense of spring is eventually coming. And that's the language we get in this text. From winter to spring, from death to life, from dry land to flowers in bloom. But then it moves to the present tense. What will they do in the meantime? in the middle of their maybe oppression, in the middle of their separation, in the middle of their unsatisfaction, what will they do? It's not spring yet. It's only a promise. And so verse 3 and 4 acknowledges the difficulty of the present. They have feeble hands. They have weak knees. They have discouraged or fearful hearts. And so there's this honesty that joy isn't always about the satisfaction of the moment. Joy isn't always about everything being awesome. Joy is sometimes only possible with the, with the, the idea that today is not exactly, doesn't look like the promise I'm holding on to, but the promise is coming. Sometimes joy feels like that. That today is, doesn't look like the promise, but the promise is coming. So the message is not give up. The message is, no, no, strengthen your feeble hands if they feel feeble. Strengthen your weak knees if they feel weak. And, and, and pour courage. Be courageous in heart. Be strong in heart. Don't be fearful. Why? Because this, Isaiah says, because God will come. He will come. He's on his way. So there's, what do we do in the present? We gird up and we, get, we, we strengthen ourselves even when the promise hasn't arrived. And there's joy in that. And then there's the path. There's describes this journey back home for Israel. For Israel, that was probably miles of desert between Mesopotamia and Jerusalem. Walking through a desert path 
to get back to their home, to get back to a united people. And it's interesting because the author says this is the way of holiness. Holiness, The way, capital W, this, this specific path, this way of holiness. That, and the word holiness means to be set apart. So it's a path that has a purpose. It's a path that's set apart for these people for this time to get back to, to fulfill God's promise in their lives. But the interesting thing is that the path is more about the journey than just the destination. It's not just about getting there and being there. It's actually about how we get there and the path along the way. In other words, their joy would increase on the journey as they anticipate their return. The joy is not just when they get there. There's joy in them as they are on the path towards it. And then it comes back to promise. There's a sense like, oh, this will be fulfilled. This will happen. There's a hope fulfilled. And that's what Israel was waiting for, to get back home, to get back united with their people for hopefully the promised Messiah to show up. But it's also beyond Jerusalem. It's also beyond their time. It was, it was this future promise of, of new creation and what heaven and earth merging would be like and God's kingdom coming into full reign. Just today we sang, your kingdom come, your will be done. Their hope, their promise was one day God's kingdom will fully reign all over the place. And so we go from promise and their, the present and the past and then back to promise in this text. And what does hope look like when, it, when they find it? Man, it's everlasting joy. It's, I love the word that, that, that Isaiah uses. They're overtaken with joy. They will be overtaken with joy one day. Like you guys don't even feel like that when you're in high school now. And you're like, I'm going to graduate. Graduation's going to feel awesome, but will you be overtaken with joy? Yeah. Oh yeah, look at that. So he's, Aiden's happy. Aiden's thinking about that. Yeah, 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 that'll be good. So, and I love this one line, sorrow and sign will flee. Like sorrow we can, we can get, but sign, who, who's sighed this week? Who, what have you sighed for this week? Like, you know, maybe it was like a, that kind of sigh, or maybe it was like a oh, whatever type of sigh, or maybe it was like this sucks type of sigh, or I don't know what kind of sigh it was, but there was sighing at some point in the week. Maybe, how often do you sigh a day? Think about that. Okay, here's an experiment this week that I want you to think about for next week, because we're going to get into some more practical stuff. I want you to create a sigh list this week. S-I-G-H, a sigh list. So on your phone or a little piece of paper or something at work or at home, and just write sigh list. And every time you sigh or just like, oh, whatever, or this sucks, or I don't like this, or do I really have to take the bus, or why is this exam tomorrow, or why is my boss asking me to do this? Just write it on the list. How many times do you sigh in the day and then in the week? We'll talk about it next week. So that'll be an experiment for you this week. But as we, as we jump into this, even starting today, to experience joy, where do we start? Where do we start? Because Israel was, this was, this was a piece of, this was a message that was given to them in the middle of a time where presently they weren't experiencing the promise. They were hoping for it, but there's still joy in that. So where do we start? So two, two things I'll just suggest as we start this three week journey together in joy. And it's a little different because we're taking it from the Old Testament and taking it in this season of Advent. And so here's the first thing. We find joy in anticipation, not just in the arrival, but in the advent, in the anticipation of what is to come. See, there's something about hope that leads to joy. Have you ever gone on an amazing trip? Like when we did that Disney trip, the way there was much more joyful than the way back. 
right? Whenever you go somewhere, if you're going to be traveling for the holidays, it just feels like you got there faster. But when you come back, it's like, man, why is this taking so long? The 401 is horrible or whatever, you know, road you take. That's why trips feel faster when you're going somewhere. There's, there's even joy in the anticipation. And Isaiah 35 is all about anticipation and hope. In the middle of their waiting, even in the middle of their judgment, in the middle of their exile, they had hope. They were anticipating that God was coming. Now, today might not include for you all that God has promised yet. Let's just be realistic. If you look at your life, your situation, your hopes, even what God wants to do in your life, today might not look like everything God has promised yet, but we have hope, so we anticipate. And there's joy in that anticipation. Some days we need to strengthen our feeble hands. Some days we need to strengthen and steady our feeble knees or weak knees. Some days we need courage for our fearful hearts. But even in the middle of that, God says there can be joy in anticipating because we anticipate his coming. God's continual work and his work in us slowly, slowly. And we anticipate God's fullest work in the future. And one day that God will fully reign. So maybe here's the thought for you. Have you lost faith in God while you're waiting? Have you lost faith in God in your anticipation? Have you given up feeling like he's not doing anything or he's lost interest in you? Or maybe, maybe you've conceded to the fact that, you know what, my boss and my bank account and my circumstances and, and all this other stuff control my life and God has nothing to do with it. Maybe you've conceded to that fact and you lost the sense of anticipation of that God is still at work. God's promise is for you. This text says he's coming for you. He's coming for you. To rediscover this joy of anticipating even leading up to, to Christmas. So here's, here's just this thought for you. Think about that. Invite God in this week. Say, Lord, increase my understanding, my joy, my faith, my belief that you are still at work, that you are still coming. But here's this other side of it that, that I think this text really helps us consider. And a brief thought. Here it is. It's formation. There's joy in formation. Now, Obviously, sometimes formation in the moment doesn't feel joyful. But Isaiah says it's the way of holiness, holiness towards their return to fulfilling God's promise. The way of holiness and that God's people will walk through that way. So there was this path. There was this path set out before, him, before them to prepare them for what God was going to do. And sometimes that path is filled with loving encouragement and sometimes that path is filled with loving discipline. And depending the day, generally we might feel more joyful about one versus the other. See, sometimes we just think, oh man, the path should be easy. I mean, this path of waiting, this anticipation, even waiting for God to do something or waiting for God to come or waiting for the second coming of Jesus, we're just like, oh, that should be just easy stuff. That'll give me joy. I mean, if, if I had everything I wanted, then I would be joyful. Or if, if there was no obstacles in my progress, then I would be joyful. Or if, if God is in this, then I'll, for sure there's going to be no setbacks. setbacks. There's going to be nothing that falls in the way. There's going to be nothing that stops us. There's going to be no failure. We sometimes think that joy is only available when things are easy. But here we have this sense that in formation, there's joy. And here's why. It's funny because if we, if we go back to, to chapter 34, it's about judgment. 
And we read in chapter 34 about a loving God and a sword-holding God. A loving God and a judging God. Eugene Peterson talks about chapter 34. He says this, A loving God and a sword-wielding God aren't contradictions, but a unity, for love not only brings out the best in us, but it also cuts out the worst. Love not only brings out the best in us, but it also cuts out the worst. So here's a question for us. What is blocking your joy? What's blocking joy in your life right now? And maybe you see God's work in you that sometimes feels like there's a little sword in there going, but he want, maybe he wants to cut something out of you because what is in you is blocking your joy. Maybe it's a pattern or a behavior. Maybe it's accumulated debt or the attitude of debt. Maybe, maybe it's our attitude, my attitude, your attitude. Maybe it's sin that's unconfessed and unrepented. And sometimes God's love for us in the path towards his fullness is loving encouragement. But sometimes it's a loving sword that wants to cut in us and through us and say, this is blocking the fullness of me in your life. And I want to remove it from you. I want to cut it out. I want to have a surgery in a sense and get it, get you to a place where you can experience me in a fuller way. Our community group was meeting this week and we were walking through Hebrews 4 and uh, there was a sense of like, I don't know why it came up, but it reminded me of this. We're talking about discipline and correction in our life and is that ever needed? And we were, it was reminding me of this show that's, uh, that, I've, that I've watched and um, it's these kids that are kind of, kind of like apocalyptic era and they're stuck on earth uh, trying to, it's survival mode. And, and they're, getting, they're, getting, they're getting hurt because there's tribal people and they don't know how to survive. And so there's always an incident, an accident, a wound, something, you know? And there's this one young girl that she, her mother was a doctor and she knows stuff about surgery, you know, just some stuff. So they're trial and error because there are 100 teenagers and they're trying to survive. But when someone gets hurt, often, this is kind of the deal, they take out this sharp object, they stick it in the fire, and they tell the person, just hold on, it's going to be better in five minutes, Right, but because they know that if they don't do that, their friend's going to die. If they don't remove whatever's gotten in their body, that person's going to die. If they don't take out the poison or the bullet or whatever, that person's going to die. And so, when you see it at first, you're like, "Oh my goodness, it's a sharp object, fire. That's crazy. That's not joyful." But in that in that path, it leads to joy because something would stop you from living. So some of us are lacking joy because we haven't allowed God to cut some stuff out of our lives. You know, it's so easy to start a series on joy and just talking about how we get it. But sometimes we need to realize what we need to remove that's blocking us from it. So we think, you know, if I didn't have my mortgage or that horrible family member or that sickness or that struggle or that annoying friend in my life, then I would be joyful. But the path of holiness doesn't often take those things out of your life. But it's more about you and me. It wants to cut deeper and say, why do you react to that person like that? Why are you so, tr- why are you so worried about this sickness? Why is your, is your mortgage getting you down every day? How are you reacting to that struggle and their sin and attitudes that God wants to work out of us to lead us towards joy? Joy is found when we allow God to form us.
So here's two questions for you this week after you do your sci list, all right? So you're getting your extra homework. Okay, sci list, one. And then here's two questions that you could just think about in prayer or journaling or when you're heading to work or when you have a few moments or at the end of your day. In prayer, just ask this question. Do you still believe in God's promise? Do, I still, do you still anticipate what God is up to something? In this season of Advent, as we lead up to Christmas, in prayer, reflection, ask, Lord, do I still believe in your promise? And if you're feeling weak at the knees with that or discouraged or fearful, say, Lord, please fill my heart with faith to anticipate that you're still at work. That's question number one. But question number two is, are you letting God work in you? Formation. First question is about anticipation. The next question is about formation. God, are you, what, what do you want to do in me today, Lord? Or maybe at the end of your day, you reflect and say, Lord, what did, what, how did you try and get my attention today? How do you want to form me and shape me? So those two questions. I'm going to ask this, uh, the team to come up because we're going to end with one verse of a song. But I want you to... I want us to end with just a sense that, you know what, God has been at work according to Isaiah 35. He has been at work according to Isaiah 35. And we read it as the story of Scripture goes on. And so as we, as we step out and we even lead up to Christmas and we are in this Advent season, I want us to least leave today saying, God is at work. He's doing something. God, who's promised, revealed himself in Jesus Christ. So the God who spoke to Israel through Isaiah 750 years before Jesus ever entered the scene was continually at work. And part of his promise was fulfilled. There's a story of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 7, and we're not going to read it, but, uh, but listen to this. In Luke chapter 7, there's this moment. John the Baptist is, is the precursor to Jesus. He's preparing the way for Jesus. He's preaching to the masses. He's baptizing people. He's, he's preparing the way for Jesus. And as a result, he rubs against King Herod. And King Herod is upset at him, and King Herod puts him in prison. And he, King Herod wants John dead. And John is in prison just waiting for a death sentence. John has some disciples of his own, and he sends out uh, some of his friends and his disciples to Jesus, and he tells them, go and ask Jesus this question. And so he goes and asks, he says, go and ask Jesus this, and it's in, in uh, Luke 7, verse 20. He says, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? So here's John in prison, ready for a death sentence. He's been preaching about the Messiah coming. And now he's asking the question, could you go ask that guy, that guy that I've been preparing the way for? Just go and ask him, are you the guy? Are you the guy? Or should we wait for somebody else? And I can imagine that he's been thinking like, man, we've been waiting a long time for this, and now I'm in prison because of this. He better be the guy. (laughs) I hope he's the guy. What's kept John strong? What's kept John hopeful? I think it was this anticipation. God is coming. And in the meantime, probably in prison, he's strengthening his feeble hands, uh, steadying his knees, trying to be courageous with a fearful heart, but anticipating, God, you promised you're going to come. Are you going to come? Is this the guy? And Jesus tells John's disciples, go back to him. Report to John what you've seen and heard. And listen to what he says. He says, tell John, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news 
is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I mean, Jesus basically pulled out a phrase out of Isaiah 35. Then the blind will see. Then the, deaf of, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap. And Jesus says, you go back to John and you tell him, tell him, have you seen, listen, this is what's going on. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. But Jesus basically tells John, John, tell John I'm the guy. <laughs> that God has come. That's the foundation of our joy. This fulfilled promise that God does fulfill his work. That Jesus was the guy. That Jesus was God's coming for Israel and for the world. Next few weeks, we're going to talk about practical ways to experience joy. But I just want to start here because if we can't find joy in the anticipation, if we can't find joy in the struggle, if we can't find joy in the formation, then we'll struggle finding joy in anything. And so we we start here today. Here's one hymn that describes this, and then we're going to sing one more. But this is a hymn written by Charles Wesley. It's on the screen. And listen to the anticipation in this. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Let's stand as we close this gathering. There's a, an Advent hymn called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And um, the, we're just going to sing one verse of this. And as we sing it, I just, I invite you, maybe think of those questions, but maybe just in a moment say, Lord, fill my heart with anticipation. Fill my heart with the anticipation of joy or the joy of anticipation as we walk through this next few weeks, this season. Lord, increase my belief, increase my faith. Um, so just pray that out as we sing these words together. Yes, God, we end our time here together with a step forward. We long to anticipate with joy at your work in and through us as slowly as it goes and as your future glory will come. And we state, God, we're so grateful that we're on this side of history where Jesus fulfilled your promises. We thank you that we can bet our trust on that. We thank you that we can put our trust in you. We thank you for that promise that that part of your story is fulfilled and we can trust you moving forward. So God, as we move forward into our week, may we, may we end this day and start tomorrow and this week with an anticipation of joy and with a joy of anticipation. And may we embrace the path forward and may we invite your work in us to remove things that are obstacles to our joy. We say yes, Lord. We say welcome. Lord, reveal to us if it's unrepented sin, if it's unhealthy attitudes, if it's the way we react to one another, God. We invite you to do your surgery in us 
and we welcome your joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.